Hey y'all, I'm here with my mom, who is also a holder of many ists. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Dr. Renuka Basavaraju. I'm an allergist, immunologist, and rheumatologist. Uh, the logis, not is. I need to correct Anita on this. <laughs> okay, this is going to be fun. Um, we're here to talk about the COVID-19 vaccine and everything you need to know from who should be getting it, who should not be, and basically a walkthrough from deciding whether or not to get it all the way to the side effects at the end. So yeah, we're excited to have you. Do you have anything else to add before we get started? Well, since COVID-19 enters through a cell, through a spike protein, spike me with questions. Oh my God. <laughs> no, we are not doing this. Okay, we're going to get started. Uh, this is The World We Inherit, and I'm your host, Anita Kirti. Okay, so first things first, can you explain to us what a vaccine even is? So vaccines contain the same bacteria or viruses that cause the disease, but they usually either killed or inactivated or made weakened so that they don't cause the disease. So the purpose of doing this is you're not actually exposed to the organism, but you actually activate the immune system and make antibodies. Wait, what are antibodies? So antibodies are protective to the human. Once you're exposed to the virus or bacteria, your immune system gets activated and develops antibodies so that you get protection to them. The usual normal way is you experience the bacteria or virus or you get infected with it and get antibodies. That's called natural immunity. So you actually have to get sick and get natural immunity. Which you have the possibility of also dying though. Yes, if it is a dangerous virus you may actually succumb to it. But in a vaccine, it's actually kind of a primary prevention. So you don't succumb to the virus, but you get protected. Okay, so just to put this in really simple terms, a vaccine is like a training exercise. So the body sees what the virus or bacteria looks like, remembers it, practices how it would fight that bacteria or virus. So when it actually sees the virus and bacteria when it really infects your body. The immune system looks at it and goes, oh, I know I know what that is and I know exactly what to do. The vaccine is kind of like the body's way to learn how to fight the battle without the stakes of getting COVID-19 and experiencing the actual disease. Correct. So I understand that there are different types of vaccines. You kind of alluded to that when you were talking about attenuated vaccines. What kind of vaccine is the COVID-19 vaccine? So the COVID-19 vaccine is an mRNA vaccine. The M stands for messenger and RNA stands for ribonucleic acid. The important thing to remember is twofold. One, both the mRNA vaccines, which are now available in the market, both the Pfizer and the Moderna, they are actually the mRNA proteins for the spike protein. The importance of spike protein is it's responsible for recognition of the cell. So that's how the COVID-19 attaches and enters into the cell. So that's the most important piece of the COVID-19 virus. That's the reason they picked that portion of the viral protein to make the vaccine. So they picked that portion and actually found the sequence of that to make the mRNA. So once it enters into the cell, you translate that information and then your immune cells will recognize that and create antibodies. 
Okay, so you said a lot of big scientific words, and for those of us who have not taken microbiology, or like me, who has forgotten everything about it, you are saying that what's being injected in people in the COVID-19 vaccine from Pfizer and Moderna is the genetic code for a small piece of the virus, correct? Correct. So... There's no way that an entire virus can be made out of this piece of genetic material. Correct. Essentially, to break this down really simply, the genetic material is injected into our body. Our cells take that, reads the code out, makes the protein for itself, and looks at it and shows the rest of the immune system, hey guys, this is what we're looking for. Correct. So basically, to give you a good analogy, if I told you, the letters A, B, C stand for the word spike. So instead of sending you the whole uh, structure called spike, I just send you three letters called A, B, C. And our body knows what that means. Yeah. And your body, your cell knows, okay, because it lacks less space, it's smart enough to know what that A, B, C is and immediately makes all the proteins for the whole spike. If I get injected with the COVID-19 vaccine, would I test positive for COVID-19 after getting the vaccine? No. So we went through the basics of mRNA vaccines. If you're still a little confused about it, the best way I explain it to my friends is if you and the virus were playing a game of battleship, you're giving the positions of all the battleships on the virus's side to your immune system to say, hey, this is their game. This is how you fight it. So in real time, when you actually get infected, your body already knows, I know what that is, I know how to fight it, and all my soldiers or antibodies are ready to go. That's a good way to put it. Okay. So this is not necessarily a very new technique, but it's a great technique. This has been being studied for the past 10 years. We have studied while trying to get a vaccine for Zika virus. It's studied a lot in tumor biology. It's great that we have introduced that for COVID-19 vaccine. The advantage of using mRNA vaccines are you can create a large amount of vaccine in less time. I'm glad you actually said that because this is not just new technology that we just found off the cuff in the past nine months and are just running with it. No. Perfect. So now that you kind of know the scientific part and you feel more confident with how this is going to work, I want to do a walkthrough of what it feels like to go get the vaccine, all the steps, basically everything you need to know before you get vaccinated. Okay, so first things first, I'm going to leave a link in the description of the fact sheet that's been made for patients for both the Pfizer and Moderna vaccine. And I recommend you review that and that be kind of your first step prior to going ahead and getting the vaccine. It has everything you need to know on there and is a really good resource. So I'm not going to get into the logistics of how exactly to set up appointments and how to get the vaccine, because honestly, it is different for every single place that's giving out vaccines. I can't give out instructions on how to really do that. So we're going to skip that part and just assume that you've gotten an appointment, you're ready to go. Okay, so to get us started with this, before you even decide to get the vaccine, there are two things you need to consider as to whether or not you should be getting the vaccine. A, your history of allergies and B, your current medical conditions. So the CDC has split who should get the vaccine and who shouldn't into three different sections. 
So those who absolutely should not be getting the vaccination are people who have had severe allergic reactions or anaphylaxis to a previous dose of the mRNA COVID-19 vaccination or any of its components. You can look up on the CDC website the exact composition of the mRNA vaccine. If you've ever had any kind of severe allergic reaction to those, you absolutely should not be getting the vaccination. So what exactly is anaphylaxis? So anaphylaxis presents with tongue lip swelling, trouble breathing, chest tightness, sometimes abdominal pain. And that's where we really have to give them an epinephrine to improve the symptoms. So the entire immune system rejects the drug or the inactive ingredient that's we call it as anaphylaxis. And I don't want to scare people about this. So I do want to stress that this does not happen frequently. Correct. According to the FDA report for Pfizer, in the trial itself, there were no anaphylactic reactions, but after being released, there were a few cases of anaphylactic reactions. But anaphylaxis is manageable, is that correct? Yes. The second group of people that the CDC has lined out were the precaution to vaccination people. They define this group as anyone with a history of any immediate allergic reaction to vaccines or injectable therapies. When they mean precaution to vaccination, what are the precautions? So they should be observed for 30 minutes after they come for the first shot. They should have a thorough questionnaire ahead of time whether they previously had anaphylactic reactions such as tongue, lip swelling, rash, ever had uh, passing out spells, have they ever had to use an epinephrine for any other reason and what were those circumstances. Such kind of history has to be taken. It's better to have a questionnaire at vaccination sites when they check in uh, so that the vaccinator will have the information up front uh, so that there are no surprises. Let's say that there isn't a questionnaire at whatever place someone's getting a COVID-19 vaccine, but they have had a history of an anaphylactic reaction with an injectable therapy or vaccine. Would you recommend that they just see an allergist, immunologist ahead of time? or I would prefer they consult with their allergist and take their instructions such as carry an EpiPen with them, get more instructions such as watch them more closely after the vaccination for longer periods of time than the routine 15-minute monitoring. Okay, and the last section is people who can proceed with vaccination normally, quote, had a history of allergies that are unrelated to components of mRNA COVID-19 vaccine, other vaccines, injectable therapy, or polysorbate. So things like allergies to oral medications or foods, pets, insects, basically anyone else on the allergy spectrum has been given the green light to get the vaccination. And the second part of triage is the people with different conditions. There have been no conditions that have been identified that make people fall under the contraindication. And I think the conditions that have been worried about are people with immunocompromising conditions, pregnancy, or women who are breastfeeding. And largely the CDC has just threw out a blanket statement of ask your doctor or refer to your doctor. You're a doctor. What are you telling your patients? So the people of autoimmune disease and immunosuppressive conditions obviously were not part of either of the trials. But technically speaking, all of them should be getting the vaccine so that they're protected against COVID-19. Sometimes there is a question whether you activate the immune system by giving the vaccine. So is that harmful for somebody who's autoimmune disease? So this has been a big question in the immunology world for a long time. 
This is not a new question which COVID-19 vaccine has come up with. This has been a question when we were using influenza vaccine or any other vaccines uh, when we treat our patients with lupus and other autoimmune diseases. But over time, we have established that when the diseases are not very active, when we're treating them, it's better to vaccinate them against disease than not treat them because we need to protect them against bacterial and viral infections. The only question is whether they'll form enough antibodies when we're treating them with immunosuppressive drugs. They may not form enough antibodies, but we need some protection, then no protection. Okay, um, that's for the immunocompromised patients. How about for women who are pregnant? Again, the same thing applies. We did not have pregnant women in the trials, so we don't have data for it. Since we don't have data, we can't say, is it safe for pregnant women? So I think after some more post-marketing experience, we can safely say, yes, pregnant women can take it. We don't have data for that yet. And breastfeeding, there is an organization called mothertobaby.org. They can always ask a query on that website about what is the status of COVID-19 vaccine with uh, breastfeeding women. Okay, now that we cleared up those two big things, the allergies and conditions that either exclude or include you into the group of people that should be vaccinated. Again, I'm going to stress the number of people that should not be getting the vaccine is very few. But please, please refer to the CDC guidelines that I will be posting on my website about whether or not that includes you or not. So where are we? We decide we want to get the vaccine. And now it's a question of which vaccine. Is there a difference between getting the Moderna or Pfizer vaccine? There is no head-to-head comparison between the two vaccines. So whichever vaccine that you can get first is the one you should go with? Yes, Okay, cool. So you make your appointment, you get there, they inject you with the vaccine, and this is a intramuscular injection? It's an intramuscular injection. It's given in your right or left arm into your deltoid. Like a flu vaccine. Mm -hmm. Okay. And right after, you're given a vaccine card, which will have the date when you should get your second dose and which vaccine you got. Now you're being observed for 15 minutes if you are in the category of people that get vaccinated without extra precautions that we had discussed previously. Afterwards, you go home. And for those of you who don't know, that there is a patient reporting site where you can report any adverse reactions that you have. It's called The Safe. Again, I'm going to put that in the resources on my website that you can look through. Basically, what VSafe does is it allows CDC to monitor more people who have gotten the vaccine and a place for you to report any adverse reactions. The link, by the way, is www.cdc.gov vsafe. So anyway, post-vaccine, you have your vsafe link ready to go if you want to report anything. What are the side effects like? Some people may experience arm pain, local swelling or redness or the injection site, uh, sometimes low-grade fever, aching in the muscles, joints. Sometimes symptoms lasting almost for three to four days, uh, but nothing more than that. Yeah, um, I wanted to read from the FDA report for the Pfizer vaccine. Of the 10,841 people that got the Pfizer vaccine, 84.1% had pain at the injection site, 62.9% had fatigue, 55.1% had headache, 38.3% had muscle pain, 31.9% had chills. There are a few other, few other side effects that were mentioned but pretty manageable side effects. And for Moderna, 
most of the symptoms were mild to moderate, and the most common ones were pain at the injection site at 91.6%, fatigue at 68.5%, headache at 63%, and muscle pain at 59.6%. There are other side effects as well. Again, I'm going to put all of this stuff into resources so you can look through that. But those are kind of the breakdown of some mild to moderate symptoms you'd have after getting the vaccine. Do you have any recommendations as to what you can take or how to deal with them? I typically advise my patients to take two extra strength Tylenols before they go get their vaccine and actually stay on two Tylenols every eight hours in the first 24 hours, whether they have any complaints or not. Probably that's the best bet. So they can wait through the post-vaccination days without any complaints. Okay, so now that you have gotten vaccinated, you got through the few side effects, am I now free to go to the club? You don't get a passport to go to the club just because you got two doses of vaccine. You still have to follow precautions of wearing a mask, avoiding crowds. The purpose of vaccine is to prevent serious infection. Please remember that. You're still at risk of getting some infection. You're still at risk of getting asymptomatic infection and transmitting virus to some extent to sick people. The purpose of doing all this is to provide herd immunity. You can't just go back to normal. Gungo. And how long does it take to actually develop immunity? Is it like right after you get it? Is it a day after? The onset of antibody formation is at least up to two weeks after the second vaccine. And I believe the Moderna vaccine, you wait for about 28 days between the two vaccines. And for Pfizer, you have to wait three weeks. Yes. So it's the first dose, three weeks or 28 days in between, the second dose, and then two weeks. And then you have approximately 95% immunity. Correct. Okay. So is there anything else you would like people to know about the COVID vaccine or questions that people ask you? So I do get questions from my patients. What about getting other vaccines along with COVID-19 vaccine? My doctor tells me to get a shingles vaccine. Can I get both on the same day or is there a, a gap I should have between the two vaccines? So the current recommendation is to have two weeks gap between any other vaccine and COVID-19 vaccine. If your doctor says get a shingles vaccine or if you're too late for your influenza vaccine or you recommended pneumonia vaccine or some other vaccine for some other reason, there should be a two week gap between the COVID-19 vaccine and your other vaccine. The other question I often get pretty much in the clinic is, will the COVID-19 vaccine cause genetic alteration inside me? Will I get DNA mutations? Especially I get this from young people. If I get pregnant, will I get any problem with my babies in future? So this is very, very important for everybody to remember that this little piece of RNA information, which is getting into your cell in the lymph node, is not getting into anybody's DNA and altering their DNA at all. Probably that should be written in big capital letters somewhere on a package insert. First time I got my COVID-19 vaccine, including some healthcare workers asked me, Dr. are you going to grow a third limb? And I really looked at them and I thought, were they joking? But they had this some kind of understanding that because this is genetic material, it's going and getting incorporated into a DNA. So this is genetic material for the RNA, which is coding for the spike protein. It's a piece of genetic material of the RNA coding the spike protein, gets translated into the spike protein outside of the DNA in our cell. Okay. Whew. So That's I thought if somebody gets that 
very clearly, then there won't be uh, this impression, oh, I'm going to get a genetic mutation and end up getting a cancer. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you, Anita. Okay, that was like so fake. Anyway, uh, if you have any questions, again, we recommend that you talk to your doctor. I'm going to make sure to leave all of the information that was talked about in this episode. Again, this was all sourced from the CDC and the FDA, so no need to fear about me pulling information from Reddit threads. Yeah, that's that. Uh, thank you for listening. This is The World We Inherit, and I'm your host, Anita Kirti.